Whoa. Miami did things to FSU that shouldn't be shown in prime time in front of children tonight. Uh, the Canes dismantled FSU 52-10. to 10, And we're here, and we're going to sit down and discuss this as a family. I'm Josh Newberg. I got Chris Knee with me. This is On the Bench Podcast. Brendan Sinone is on site at Hard Rock Stadium right now doing some post games. So me and Chris are going to take it from here. Uh, Chris, I, I assume you watched it. Tell me about it. Every bloody second of it. 52 to 10, Miami dominates a living hell out of FSU in every form and facet of football that was played on the evening. I believe 52 points is the most points ever scored by either team in this series. This was the 65th meeting between the two. Miami now has a 35 to 30 advantage in the series, including winning the last four in a row after FSU had won seven in a row prior to that streak. Um, This thing was over very early in the second quarter. FSU was down 38 to three at the half. Uh, That margin truthfully doesn't embody just how much Miami did whatever the heck they wanted for that first half. Miami had 333 yards of offense in the first half, 222 through the year, 111 on the ground. They had 38 points. That was on six drives, uh, five touchdowns, and then they settled for a field goal as the clock expired at the half. I believe it was a 30-yarder, if I correctly recall. And it it was over. FSU had three points on the board, came on their first series of the game. I believe they had 68 yards on that series. From that point forward in the first half, I believe they had 27 total yards. I mean, it it was a pathetic showing every form and facet for every player and every coach involved with Florida State football this evening. And you knew it early because, Chris, you put in the group chat, like, end of the first quarter, you said, I'm looking up biggest blowouts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember FSU had a 47-0 there in the late 90s. I was at that game. FSU won. Uh, Miami looked god-awful that day. I remember sitting there watching it as a fan in the old Orange Bowl and thinking, how is a school with that, that kind of history that bad? And I believe that's during Miami's time of being on probation. So that was part of their issue then. FSU back in the 70s also got it handed to them 47 to nothing by the Canes. I think it was 76. Mm-hmm. That was the worst loss ever in the series. Um, I wasn't around in 76, thank God, because I don't know what 47-0 would feel like, but I know 52-10 was quite a miserable affair to take in. But James Chris, Black- it, it, Go ahead. it felt like it could have been worse. Oh, easily. My, Miami – I wouldn't say they called the dogs off. I mean, they went scoreless in the third quarter and only had 14 in the fourth quarter. They bogged down. They very much emptied the bench, especially down a stretch there in the fourth quarter. We saw Nikosi Perry siding for a few series. Mm -hmm. For example, they had 11 receivers catch balls, so they they did rotate a great deal. Um, Yeah, Miami, I wouldn't wouldn't say they called the dogs off, but they knew they had that thing in hand. And FSU had a chance there to make it, I believe, 38-17. to yeah, I say in the third quarter, the and, the, and they threw the pick, and that was pretty much the last breath of any yeah. hope of FSU making it a respectable game. They weren't going to make some comeback. This isn't Texas, Texas Tech, but you know, you you could at least feel like maybe to get it down to two touchdowns or so, and that that quickly evaporated. What did you think of the QB rotation in the way that they utilized um, more of the bench? Let's say. Well, I thought the initial plan to script out of the gate on that first drive, I think it was a 14-play, 68-yard drive. We saw them come out immediately with James Blackman at quarterback and and, uh, Jordan Travis playing receiver in there as well. I thought it was creative. I thought it was good. I thought it took advantage of Jordan Travis as a runner. He had seven rushes for 52 yards in the Mm -hmm. game, for example, including a long of 24. That's the second most rushing yards for anybody for FSU in this game. But once once the script went away, it really 
you know, it looked like the same show with FSU that we saw two weeks ago and that we've seen plenty of times before where the offense just is incompetent. And, uh, you know, Jordan Travis had a horrendous pick on a play where it was a double reverse and he was trying to make something happen as he was getting hit in the backfield and he flails it up and the D tackle is about to sack him. He flails it up, defensive end, Jalen, I think it was Jalen Phillips intercepts it for Miami. That's a horrible moment. He finishes one for two as a passer. FSU eventually just pulls the trigger on moving on from Blackman there. I believe it was the very end of the third quarter and going to Tate Rodemaker. Yeah. He goes five for nine for 47 yards, throws a pick where he locked onto the receiver and the safety read in, got behind it on an overthrown ball. Very easy play for Bubba Bolden to make the interception on. Uh, none of the three were very good. None of them were effective. I think, you know, most people listening to this, and myself included for sure, we're all ready to move on from James Blackman. But, again, I'm not sure how good the future returns at that position are going to be with any of the three guys that saw the field tonight. I still think FSU's best option is coming off an injury to his shoulder, and that's because he can do a lot with his legs, which is what Travis brings to the table, and with his arm, which is what the other guys bring to the table. And you combine the two, I think it has the most value for what FSU may be able to get out of that position. But – People are going to focus a lot on quarterback. They always do. It's what comes with that position. None of them were good. Blackman, 16 for 26 for 120, a touchdown and a pick. The touchdown went to Cam McDonald, 12 yards. It was a short pass. McDonald did the work on the end. Uh, Tate, 5 for 9, 47 yards, interception. Travis, 1 for 2, 12 yards, interception. Mm-hmm. Travis also did a little something with his legs, 7 for 52. The rushing attack for FSU was not very good. Lawrence Tofilly was a bright spot down the stretch. He finished 7-2-7. Eight, eight rushes for 64 yards, long of 21, average of eight per touch. That's pretty good. You'll take that any day. Mm-hmm. Given that that was in mop-up duty, second half, game in hand kind of time. So it wasn't, you know, those crucial moments early in the game where you're facing the best of the best. They They're needed still, him, though. He could, it, yeah. Without it, without a couple first downs by Toa Philly, this thing really could have been ugly. Yeah, it helped kill the clock to some degree, and it helps. Yes, exactly. Drives. <laughs> um and then receiver-wise, FSU is dreadful at receiver. Too. Yeah. I mean, it, Where are Terry, Terry doesn't exist on the depth chart or on the uh, – I'm sorry, on the stat sheet. Keyshawn Helton, one reception for two yards. Um, Darian Williamson had two for 15 in his first action. Kentron Portier had two for 22 yards in his first action. Philly two for 35. The best receiver on the night was McDonald. He had that 12-yard touchdown reception. Six for 58 on seven targets. Really efficient night. And he it's was very good. unbelievable to me that you don't see neither Tamori and Terry or Warren Thompson. Yeah. And let me see what the targets were for those two guys. Let me pull that up real quick here. I know to- uh, um, Thompson I, had a couple targets. I can't even really remember which balls went to Terry. This says that Thompson had a target and Terry had none. Terry did not play a ton. He looked a little banged up early. Looked like he had a disagreement on the sideline with the coaching staff as well. Don't recall him really hitting the field after that point. Okay. Um, I mean, the he was offense, to get on the field, right? But then he yes, he he was not out. He was not out there initially. Some yeah. of that was Jordan Travis being at receiver. He did come in. I believe it was on the first drive. Played a few snaps. He was in there, mixed in here and there for the next two quarters, maybe into the third, and then we didn't see him down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Some of that was they went very youth movement down the stretch in the second half. And then defensively, FSU just – they had no answers. I mean, for the second game of this season, it didn't look like they particularly had a, a real plan, to be perfectly honest about it. I mean, first game, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Jeff Sims 
was kind of allowed to be comfortable in his first ever start. You know, he, he made some mistakes. FSU missed on him making some more mistakes. In this game, they're playing a much better passer in Derek King, a much much better offensive attack as a whole with guys like Cameron Harris running the ball, Brevin Jordan at tight end, some really capable wide receivers. And FSU's defense really had no effect at all on Miami's offensive attack when they were with their primary players. Uh, it was utterly amazing watching them get no pressure. FSU finished with no sacks on the evening, had five total tackles for loss. Their pressure rate on King, who went 29 for 40 for 267 yards passing, two touchdowns, also had eight rushes for a team leading 65 yards, was non-existent. King did whatever the hell he wanted, whenever he wanted to do it, and FSU had no answer for it. And Miami ran it down FSU's throat, 37 rushes, 200 yards on the evening, you know, 5.4 per touch on the rushing chart. Just it, it, Miami outclassed FSU in every single way this evening. Miami finishes with 517 total offensive yards. They had 333 in the first half, 222 through the year, 111 rushing for the game. They finished with 317 through the year, 200 rushing. FSU commits 12 penalties. I think they were at eight or nine in the first half. Bavion Johnson has a trio of penalties on himself on the offensive line. You have a couple of personal fouls, including Marvin Wilson called for targeting. You know, just the things that FSU loves to do to self-destruct themselves were super present on the evening. FSU allows six sacks, 13 tackles for loss. Mm. Some of that's black men holding on to the ball, but a lot of that's also the O-line just got their butt kicked at the line of scrimmage. They were just um, patent stats back there. Yeah, Miami. Miami's drives were just constantly sustained. Eleven for sixteen on third down conversions, three of four on fourth down conversions. FSU on those two sets was six for fourteen, zero oh and two on fourth down. Miami runs twelve more plays than FSU on the evening, eighty-five to seventy-five. They average six point one per play compared to four point five for FSU. Uh, it just it, it was utter domination in every form of facet. FSU's two for four in the red zone. With uh, two interceptions, I believe it was. Or, I'm sorry, one was downs, one was interceptions. That led to the no points on the other two. One touchdown, one field goal. Miami goes six for six in the red zone, um, settling for one field goal, five touchdowns in that stretch. Time of possession ended up being fairly balanced. But it just – it was an ugly, ugly evening. I I think we all knew walking in that game that FSU was probably going to lose. I think we all knew FSU could lose pretty badly. Mm -hmm. I think FSU losing 52 to 10 and looking for the first 30 minutes of the game, like they had no interest in being there. They weren't going to buck up to a rivalry game that they completely got dominated in every facet. I think that's the takeaway. That's probably the most damning of the effort of the evening of that. It just, they're as bad as you think they are. Right. It kind of feels like it's back to, year zero I, I know we've used that cliche in the past but like it really does the 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 glimmer of improvement that we saw against Georgia Tech was completely evaporated you know there was facets of the game where we thought this team got better against Georgia Tech but even on the bench podcast in the reaction we we kind of noted that like hey this is still just Georgia Tech and, and Georgia Georgia Tech has been shown to be pretty damn awful at this point. Right. The Syracuse today looking really bad doing it. UCF blew their doors off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, what did we like today? I mean, there was <laughs> there's a there was a there's a little bit of a youth movement going on. Um, what did we like today? Did did you like anything? Not really. I liked Lawrence Toe Philly. To be perfectly honest, no, I really didn't. I. 
you know, I was glad to see them go with some neon guys down the stretch there. Rotomaker at quarterback, Toe Philly at running back, for example. Ja'Kai Douglas got some good work. Uh, you know, Portier, Williamson. I'm trying to think who else did we see that was young. That was on offense. I was glad to see that. But that's during such mop-up time that I have trouble – you know, I'm not trying to discredit what Toe Philly did because I thought he ran it well. I thought he ran it effectively. I thought he was productive. But he didn't do it in the first quarter when he's going against the best of the best, and it's a mm-hmm. tight game situation. So is Miami going to allow that 21-yard run he had if it's the first quarter and they're playing serious? Probably not. So I always hesitate to kind of jump on the, oh, the new guys are great. Now, do I want to see a youth movement? Yes, and I'm glad we saw the staff at least pepper it in there and give us a taste of it. I think it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I think at this point you understand you're in a full complete rebuild and there's a lot of veterans on this team you can't trust to be part of that rebuild. So you got to go with the guys that you do trust or the guys that you brought in or the guys that you at least think aren't soured at this point. And that's a lot of young guys. So I think you need to see that, you know, defensively, I thought Amari Gaynor played a not good game. He's I, I was going to get good to that. I, look, if, if there was four or five Amari Gainers flying around on defense, we wouldn't be having this type of podcast right now. Right. That's the thing about the defense is watching them. It's such a limited group of guys that actually look like they're flying around to the ball. Gainer is one of those. I would say Travis Jay is another one. And Stephen Dix. Yeah, and Stephen Dix is one. And Brendan Tra- Gant flashed there at the end. He got some run at the end. He, he yeah. made a couple hits. I mean, it was, it was in the mop-up duty time, but it was good to see him asserting some aggressiveness out there. Yeah, and Raymond Woody did it too in some of his limited work that he had in the second half. Yeah. Gant flies around like a crazy man. The issue is that you need him to contain some of the things he's done in the past that caused personal fouls. And such. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that kind of comes with playing him. But overall, defensively, they just can't get anything done at the line of scrimmage. They look awful as a defensive line. That's on Odell Higgins. That's on John Papuchas. That's on Adam Fuller with the defensive scheme. That's on the players, certainly, as well. They're bad at the defensive line. It's sort of incredible how completely ineffective they have largely been through eight quarters of football. You know, Robert Cooper had some bright moments in that first game. He got banged up today. I think he came out with his hand wrapped up at some point. He he had Um, a club on. Right. So, you know, he's one guy that I've – been pleased with Durden did create a pretty good fumble in this game. I thought Durden was much better tonight than he was in game one when I thought he was quite awful. But as a whole, that group is just insanely disappointing how awful they've been. It's not that they're playing subpar disappointing or not to the level of preseason expectations. They're playing downright awful. Um, And Hmm. when you're, when you're bad in the trenches on defense, it puts everybody behind them at a disadvantage because, you know, running backs are getting ahead full of steam, getting to the second level, taking you on at linebacker, able to finish plays that way. And obviously your secondary isn't built to guard guys for six to eight seconds when that happens. Or at least you would like your secondary to get some opportunities where pressure is creating more uh, high probability opportunities for your defense to create something in the secondary, either a turnover, PBU, something like that. But in general, FSU is soft. And they look soft. They look yeah. truthfully – subpar athletically a lot of guys don't look like they're in the best of shape which i think we all understand why that is with the offseason being the way it was but that also falls on the individuals to some degree you know that they disappointed that they did not do what was necessary for them to be in a position to be successful or at least put themselves in the best position i i just you know first game i didn't want to pull the plug and say oh god we're awful 
it's bad. I wanted to say the first game they played awful. Yeah. And it's a bad omen. And if they continue that, then it's going to be miserable. After this, I don't know how anybody can have any optimism that this team can manage to beat anybody with a legitimate pulse and offense that's halfway effective or a defense that can get after the quarterback. If a team has one, two, or three of those things, FSU is going to struggle. If they got multiple of those things, it's going to be a hell of a hard night for FSU to come away with a victory. You managed to turn my silver linings <laughs> segment into another misery segment. So, no, but I, it was the, it was one of those games. No, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, I just the whole youth movement thing. I am glad to see it. I, it's much better than not ever doing it. I obviously would much prefer them to do it as they did it. The thing is, the production of that youth movement. I'm not ready to say, oh, it's amazing because it came in complete mop up time of this game. Yeah, garbage time. And it's just tough to – games are played different when they're tight or when they're early or when you're coming out of shoot in the first half or to start of the second half in a tight game. It's played so much differently than a game where it's 38-3 to three and all 19,000 or so people that are sitting in the stadium or whatever it was tonight know that there's not a chance in hell that the visiting team has any shot of coming back in the affair. So, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to dismiss what guys like Toa Philly and others did. I'm just saying I take it with a grain of salt because they didn't do it when the lights were shining the brightest. And that's not a knock on them. I, I want to, I really, really want to see Lawrence Tofilly potentially start against Jacksonville state and then certainly play against the higher caliber opponents FSU will have coming up after that game to see if he can handle it better. Because so far through two games, the rushing attacks not been very good. We did not see LaDamian Webb this evening. He was present at the game, and as I understand, he was dressed out and available, but he did not play on offense in the sense of getting a touch. And Jay Sean Corbin's results have been middle of the road. He's been a pretty good receiver for them. He also ran it okay on the limited touches he had tonight. But it's clear that they need something else at running back that's going to give yeah. them a spark. They, have, they, they just need a spark in general on offense right now. And everywhere on offense, on defense, and mm-hmm. you know, on special teams, a big return would be a huge, you know, something that would lift up this team if it came early in a game and gave them some breathing room. Mm. Now would be a great time to plug our sponsor, Market Square Liquors. <laughs> Too bad they're already closed this evening, <laughs> but it is a great time to stock up for the rest of the season. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they'll be doing some business, and we appreciate you guys showing them some love in these tough times in Tallahassee. We'll all get through it. Um, man, we're going to talk more about this. We're going to pod again in a couple of days. We'll, we'll, we'll pod on Monday afternoon, right after Mike Norvell's um, Monday press conference. So we're going to get Brennan Sinone's outlook on this. and He's going to be extra salty because he has to make the drive home from there. <laughs> Are you going to talk to him the whole way, or do I have to this time? I don't know. I, I – uh... <laughs> Probably depends on if the Lightning win this game or not tonight. Um, it's still going on. Yeah, it's in the second OT right now. Okay. Um, real quick on Miami. Opening drive, 13 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Next drive, 15 plays, 79 yards, touchdown. Next drive, which comes after a punt from FSU, uh, three plays, 57 yards, touchdown. They, mm. fumbled, they fumbled a punt on the next one. Mark Pope, I believe it was, fumbled the Master Mono pump punt fsu recovers it you're thinking oh a bright spot fsu's got a shot here it's 21 to 3 at this point but you know you get a touchdown there you start creeping back in i believe it was the very next play fsu throws the interception they go three plays 52 yards in a minute touchdown 52 wow. yards 
next drive for them, 11-7. That was the backbreaker, though. Really, that was. Yeah, yeah, the very to, quick. To, to move the field that quick and just that was the backbreaker right there. Yeah, 11-70 touchdown and then 8-38 and 44 seconds to set up the field goal to end the half. Mm. That is the first half for the Miami offense. It was just – Dumb. And they were really going for seven at the end of the half. Like, they were really trying to put yeah. the ball in the end zone. Yeah. And Miami, you know, the crazy thing is Miami's going to go back and look at that and see a couple shots where they went vertically in the first half. And, you know, King sailed one down the right side. King's not a great vertical passer. That's it. No, but they I've took those shots. They were yeah, they took to take those shots. Yeah. But that's just his, you know, the, the game plan I thought was for FSU was to try to contain him in that pocket and make him throw and make him pick you apart. Um, I think that's kind of what they were hoping would happen. But, of course, you know. They definitely wanted to get them into third down situations, too, especially, you know, winnable situations for the defense. And they did that fairly well on that first drive. The issue is that um, they converted constantly (laughs) on the third downs. And a few times we pushed them to fourth down, they also converted there. So, if you can't get off the field as a defense early and give yourself a chance, then, you know, you're, you're kind of dead in the water. Yeah, for the record, right. Dallas just scored. So, thank you. Well, yeah, Chris. W- one last question: When does the pain and suffering end? Uh, twenty twenty-three. All right, you heard it there, folks. For Chris Nee, I'm Josh Newberg. Uh, Brendan Sinone will be back on Monday. We are on the bench. Thanks for listening.